Hello and welcome to the Dynasty 1.01 podcast. I'm your host, Zach Glixman. You can find me on Twitter at DFF underscore Z-Train. You can find my co-host, Will Brown, on Twitter at Dynasty Walrus. Uh, we have a, a fair amount of stuff to get into today. Uh, we're past now the time for fantasy uh, football or, or just NFL football opt-outs due to the coronavirus Really nothing tremendously fantasy significant with one exception, yeah. uh, Devin Funches. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Geronimo uh, Allison? Geronimo <laughs> Allison, a huge fantasy implications there. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, clearly um, Damian Williams opted out uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, which opened a massive uh, door for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the mm-hmm. rookie out of LSU. Um, there has been some pretty interesting um, – information coming about where he's being drafted, uh, who he's being drafted ahead of. Uh, so, Will, I wanted to kick it over to you. You, you have some, some data in front of you and, and wanted to kind of just see where is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going and kind of what, what does that look like right now? Well, there's a lot to shake out at this point, but, you know, early indications are that he's going to be going in kind of like the running back five, six, or even seven range. And, and you know, that's – I think I can speak for you here that you think that's a little bit too high. Um, it's it's kind of disappointing because I was hoping to get some CEH discounts here, um, right. and this has just wiped out that opportunity. You know, there's yeah. there's no way that you know you're going to get him at the end of round two anymore. I mean, you're looking at an end of round one pick, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is significant. You know, so. Um, you know, there's some there's some running backs that we should uh, we should talk about. Like, who would you rather have? You know, over Ceh at this point, um, if he's really going to be going as running back five, you know, obviously the uh, the top guys, the top four, are going to be off the board. That's uh, McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, and Kamara. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook is an interesting you know break there. Uh, and then you got guys like Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, uh, Derrick Henry with that uh, that new contract, uh, and then guys like Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb. Um, so I think uh, starting right at the top, uh, are you looking to take uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire over a guy who's got some holdout potential in Dalvin Cook, or is Dalvin Cook so good that you just kind of like you know? roll the dice and, and, you know, assume that he's going to get that long-term deal. Yeah. Listen, I think, um, you know, my, my philosophy is, I think there's no doubt CEH is, is, is very likely going to be a good running back in the NFL and a very good fantasy commodity. Mm-hmm. I can't justify, cannot justify taking him over guys like uh, Dalvin cook, um, Nick Chubb, even um, Josh Jacobs, even honestly. And so with mm-hmm. that said, I, I don't, I know kind of like you mentioned, I'm not going to get much of any uh, CEH shares unless it was in a rookie draft that already happened. Mm-hmm. Um, this vaulted him to kind of rarefied air for a guy who uh, hasn't seen a snap in the NFL. I mean, this is kind of what like Ezekiel Elliott hype when he came out, Saquon Barkley hype when he came out. I mean, certainly different circumstances, but um, no, I, I, I get that there's a possibility that Delvin Cook holds out. Um the talent is just so good. And I, I think, you know, I saw, I think I saw something that said he had reported or he was going to go to their off season virtual, whatever it is. So I'm not as concerned as maybe I was with Dalvin cook, but Dalvin cook has every 
possibility of becoming the running back one, in my opinion, in, in all of fantasy. I mean, he's that good. Um, so to take a guy who's never seen a snap in the NFL over Dalvin Cook, I think is, is it, it's not something I'm willing to do right now. And if I lose out on a generational talent in CEH, I'm okay uh, in retrospect being able to say, you know, I took a guy like Dalvin Cook or I took a guy like Josh Jacobs over um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but w- where do you land on this? I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, it's going to be difficult for you to, to spend a first round pick on a, on a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, I mean, where would you feel comfortable taking a guy like that? Um, so this kind of breaks down to philosophy, which we've talked about you know, quite a bit. And if you're talking about a startup draft, you know, I'm looking for players with a little bit more longevity. So if I'm if I'm at the the back end of of a startup, and you know, I'm I'm looking at maybe like you know Devontae Adams uh, versus Ch Ch, uh, I think I'd have to pull the trigger on Devontae Adams there. You mm-hmm. know, just uh, a guy who has a proven track record. Um, wide receivers have you know more longevity. Um, so I think I'd I'd rather go there. Um, so if I'm if I'm in that area, I'm I'm definitely not gonna I'm not gonna take him there. If I'm if I'm in the middle of the second round, then I start considering it. Okay. Um, I I think that we we should kind of explore what we expect from Ceh with no Damian Williams. I mean, uh, do you think he has the potential to you know be a top five running back? Uh, do you think it's more of a kind of low end RB one? What's kind of, if you had to put money on where CH finishes this upcoming season, where would you do that? Right. So I think that's, that's, that's really the question. Um, I tend to kind of put him uh, a little bit lower, obviously than the consensus has him going. Probably I, I see him around, you know, low end running back one, which is still, I mean, for a rookie, that would be a hell of a finish. So no, uh, you know, you wouldn't be able to fault him for that. So I, you know, again, I, I don't, I see there's, I just look at a lot of guys that I think finish ahead of him for a variety of reasons. Um, I, I don't think he finishes ahead of somebody like, you know, obviously Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, this season, I think Derrick Henry finishes above him, Dalvin Cook. Um, case could be made that Nick Chubb finishes ahead ahead of him, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders. So there's a lot of elite talent at the top end of those running back uh, of that running back category. And to to break into the league and just all of a sudden vault into elite status of, of top five is going to be very difficult. It's not out of the question. I just mm-hmm. if we're looking at like probabilities, I don't I can't really get there with uh with uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That said, right, I think there's a, a, a an interesting comparison to make is that in 2017, slightly similar circumstances, um, Kareem yeah, Hunt, yeah. Kareem Hunt came into the league and uh-huh. he was drafted by Kansas City and drafted later than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He was taken in the third round out of Toledo, but uh, he came in uh, with the with the thought uh, with the Chiefs that it was Spencer Ware's job. Spencer Ware uh, got injured in week three of the preseason and Kareem Hunt just ran away with the job and didn't look back. Right. So he actually Mm -hmm. finished in 2017, his rookie season as running back four in PPR leagues. So 
I mean, that, yeah. that if you want to look for precedent and you want to look for, I mean, there's a lot of similarities there. Same team, you know, same type of hybrid running back. Uh, Kareem Hunt's taller, but uh, there's, you know, that's, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but rookie running backs coming in uh, and kind of given this opportunity uh, later in the off season to, to take the job. And, and so uh, if you want to, if you want to justify taking him in the top five running backs, that's your justification right there. I don't see it. Yeah. I think Kareem Hunt's a, a more dynamic runner um, than Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but um, it, for those that want to take Clyde Edwards Hilaire that high, that's your stat to justify yeah. it. No, hundred percent. I mean, the, the similarities are clearly evident i mean you just replace a COVID opt-out with an injury and you know that it's basically the same thing i mean that was that was a great season i I remember having him on my team that year and uh you know he comes out of the the game i think they had they might have had the the opening thursday game that year that's right that sounds right yeah i think kareem hunt had a fumble on maybe his first carry or his first drive it was his his first so he didn't fumble all through college yeah. He did not have a fumble in college. That's right. Yes. Fumbled on his first carry. It was mm-hmm. recovered by Devin McCourty. Okay. For what it's worth. That, that, right. that has nothing to do with the conversation. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then subsequently, I believe, scored two touchdowns and ran for, you know, some some solid amount of yards. And, and, and again, didn't look bad. Yeah. I mean, he, he – I think he had uh, – without looking uh, immediately at it, I believe he had over six – that's not right. I think he had – God, how much – I wish I could think off the top of my head of how many yards he had that season, but I think it was like total combined yardage. I think it was like around 1,600 yards. That could be wrong. Um, I'll look into that. Okay. But that would that would make sense for uh, for running back four on the year. I mean, he was mm-hmm. catching passes and he was mm-hmm. um, running the ball, and I don't know that he fumbled again after that first fumble, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was great. So I guess, yeah, just like you said, there is kind of – I mean, calling it precedent is is a little bit, you know, iffy, but there is reason to believe that, you know, a, a running back who uh, is going to be the the top guy in the Andy Reid offense, somebody who they're super excited about, um, there's reason to believe that he could finish as a top five running back. Now, what was so great about Kareem Hunt in 2017 is that you didn't have to draft him as running right. back five. You know, right. and, and that's the big difference here is that you have to draft CH as potentially running back five, or maybe maybe he falls a little bit. Maybe there's people who are a little bit skittish, like it sounds like we are a little bit here. Right. You get him as running back eight, something like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Sure. So even to return running back four value on running back eight price tag, it's it's not as enticing based on the opportunity cost that you know you're going to have to put out there so i think that's where i where i come down on it um but i mean it is really really tempting yeah i mean listen he he so just to kind of put a bow on the kareem hunt piece he had almost 1800 yards his his rookie year and 11 Mm -hmm. touchdowns i mean that's silly um but uh, so this is kind of a bit of a, a a slight digression perhaps but you have a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's five foot seven, a shade under 200, uh, a shade above 200 pounds, uh, mm-hmm. going into uh, the perfect landing spot, right? Like a Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes led, Andy, Andy Reid led, phenomenal team 
in the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, by the way, Kareem Hunt had Alex Smith his rookie year, so you could even make maybe more of a case that it's you know better for Clyde Edwards-Helaire. With, yeah, with I mean, Alex, Alex Smith was getting MVP buzz that season. That's true. That's you true. Know? Yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, very quickly, I just want to say, I mean, you have a guy that's 5'7", 210 pounds, mm-hmm. uh, going to a really solid place, or you have – Jonathan Taylor, who looks like Saquon Barkley, is a monster of a human being, runs a four three nine forty, going to a place that you could argue is as good. I mean, the best offensive line in football. Philip Rivers is old, you know, super old, but I, I, the 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 disrespect, I guess, for Jonathan Taylor to me, um, it leads me to think that like while Ceh is going higher. Uh, this is like a prime opportunity to capitalize on Jonathan Taylor because I, I think he's maybe being slightly forgotten about. And he is a, in my opinion, a generational freak of an athlete type of player that went to arguably as good of a, a, a landing spot. All right. Well, the Taylor's actually a really good case study here because uh, according to the, the July ADP data on uh, Dynasty League football, uh, CH was going as running back 12 right below Jonathan Taylor. So, you know, as of now, we're get, let's, uh, let's climb the ladder here a little bit and see who would you rather have. Um, you know, at this point, I think pretty much everybody would have CH uh, over Jonathan Taylor just because of the opportunity in the rookie season. Sure. You sure. Know, had Marlon Mack been the one who opted out, you're talking about Jonathan Taylor as an easy top five running back. You know, that would be right. the Ezekiel Elliott situation. It would be the, the Saquon Barkley situation. Right. right. That's fair. Yeah, sure. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but at this point, like, if you were in a startup right now, are you taking uh, CEH over Jonathan Taylor? I mean, I think you you kind of, like, have to yeah. um, just because he – that's just kind of what the, the demand looks like. But mm-hmm. I think when you're looking at a dynasty, like, do, does anybody think that Marlon Mack is going to be there? Like, does anybody think that, like, you know – two years from now, it's going to be the Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor show. I mean, it's no, going to of course be, not. it's going to be Jonathan Taylor's offense and it's going to be Clyde Edwards, uh, Hilaire's offense. But if you're looking right. just at the stats, if you're looking at the body type, if you're looking at the type of runner that can carry a 300 touch season, uh, if you're looking mm-hmm. at the offensive line, if you're looking, you know, to me, all signs kind of point a little bit to uh, Jonathan Taylor. And, and so I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily advocating to take him, you know, in redraft, it's a pretty obvious choice mm-hmm. uh, because Marlon Mack has shown that he can he can be a, a very solid running back in the NFL. But yeah. in dynasty, I think it's closer than people are are making it out to be. That's all I'm saying. And I think if you if you have Jonathan Taylor, I you have to be thrilled with that. As much as much mm-hmm. hype that's going into Ceh uh, this off season, uh, and, and somewhat rightfully so, you have to be thrilled to have a potentially. Uh, you know, if you if you asked me right now, three years from now who do you think has a better chance of being a top five running back uh, in the NFL? I would say Jonathan Taylor. Okay. I think that's fair. My question for you is how much does it impact your thinking uh, when you have Clyde Edwards Solaire, who's going to be the top dog in his rookie season versus, you know, Jonathan Taylor who might have to wait a year to be the lead back. Like let's say, okay. So Jonathan Taylor was a, a second round pick. That means right. he's got a four-year rookie deal, right? Right, right. So you're, I'm not saying that he's going to be useless in his rookie season, but right. you're almost kind of sacrificing, you know, 
a quarter of his rookie contract. And, you know, as we've seen with a lot of running backs, that rookie contract can be it, you know, right. Right. No, hundred percent possible that Jonathan Taylor is, you know, uh, an elite guy and an elite talent and demands that second contract. But Which he will. I think he. I mean, I think he is that kind of player that that will do that. I, I, so yeah, I think right. Like if you were, uh, it, I mean, it's tough. I think that Ceh is likely to have a much better season uh, in twenty twenty than Jonathan Taylor is. So I I think yeah, I you have to go with that for this season specifically. But dynasty, we're talking again like a long period of time. If you are an absolute contender, you're going to win the season. Yeah, you want. Clyde Edwards Hilaire to kind of bring your, your team up and, and Jonathan Taylor will get his, his opportunities, but he's not going to be, he's not going to have, you know, 300 touches this year either. Um, right. So yeah, I think if you're a contender, you want Clyde Edwards Hilaire. If you're building a, a dynasty over, you know, the next three to eight years, give me Jonathan Taylor. And that may be a, a slightly controversial opinion, but uh, that's, that's kind of where I land. And also that's like slightly, homery for sure as a wisconsin fan uh you can't see on the podcast i'm wearing my wisconsin badgers hat right now uh-huh. as i do almost every podcast but um i think he, if you dig into the stats you dig into the metrics you dig into his body type uh he's clearly shown he can handle that level of workload over multiple seasons so i just I, in a dynasty league i wouldn't be devastated if i had jonathan taylor instead of Clyde edwards Hilaire right now I think the the point that you make about being a contender versus, you know, building for the future, I, I think that's uh, applicable here. Um, all right, let's move on uh, up the ladder here. Like I was saying, uh, Nick Chubb uh, was going as uh, running back 10 last month before this news broke. Uh, would you rather have Nick Chubb or Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Because I think I'd rather have Clyde Edwards Hilaire easy. Yeah, it's tough for me. This one's a little tough. I think once <clears throat> this season, honestly, strangely, I probably would rather have uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire dynasty. Is uh, This seems very similar to me to the Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. conversation. Uh, dynasty, I think I'd rather have Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb's a better runner. I think Nick Chubb is more dynamic. Um, so uh, that's that's probably where I land. I mean, once Kareem Hunt leaves, uh, which people seem to think collectively that that's the, the next step for him in 2021, yeah. sure. uh, it's Nick Chubb's offense. And I think he is going to um, kind of continue to be in that top tier discussion this season may be slightly less we saw last year once Kareem Hunt came back they were running back 15 and running back 17 respectively uh Chubb being 15 Hunt being 17 so you you kind of think this season maybe Nick Chubb winds up being a, a back end running back one um so yeah I think this this season right I'm going Clyde Edwards Lair over Chubb but I think Dynasty there's there's absolutely a discussion to be had there and I probably I'd probably take Chubb over Edwards Lair redraft give me Edwards Lair Sure. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think I'd rather have CEH in, in dynasty regardless of what happens to, to Kareem Hunt, because that's an assumption that you're making that, uh, that uh, Kareem Hunt's going to be gone and then Nick Chubb's going to be given all the work, you know, that's uh, so you're, you're, you know, you're almost, like I said, sacrificing, you know, one year uh, with the hope that he jumps up into that elite range uh, next season and there's no guarantee like they could they could bring in another receiving back they could do lots of things and um, you know at this point I I absolutely trust uh, the KC offense over the Cleveland offense so. yes oh, yeah so yeah definitely right like the Kansas City offense is a an absolute monster um, they they wound up winning their games last season by almost 10 points a game which I think is 
insane. Um, I think Baltimore maybe was one of the only teams that were ahead of them in that regard. But yeah, I, I so before uh, Kareem Hunt came back from his suspension, uh, Nick Chubb was elite. And when he came back, he was still elite. He just was a, a, a high-end running back too. If, if and when Kareem Hunt leaves and they bring in another receiving back, I don't think that receiving back is going to be as dynamic and as elite as Kareem Hunt is, right? So they bring in like a, let's say they bring in somebody like Duke Johnson or Naheem Hines or somebody like that. That's not the same level of talent, overall talent as Kareem Hunt. Also, Kareem Hunt has been working with the wide receivers in their virtual off season. So some of me wonders like how much of him is going to be splitting out wide. They did a lot of two running back stuff last season too. Um, so I, I'm a little bit more bullish, I think, on Nick Chubb than some are. I've seen a lot of Nick Chubb hate. So, um, yeah, I, I get your point, though, too. I think, you know, if you look at situation and talent and Patrick Mahomes and blah, 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 I think that's fair. All right. So, dude, what about Josh Jacobs? Because there's, there's kind of a split in the fantasy community on people who say that, you know, Josh Jacobs, uh, with everybody that the Raiders drafted, is not going to get any receiving work. And then there's some people who just say like, oh yes, he was really good. You know, last year he's proved that he's ready for more work. He is going to get involved in the passing game. Uh, where do you stand on, uh, you know, where do you fall in terms of one of those two camps? And would you rather have Josh Jacobs over CEH at this point in dynasty? Yeah. So uh, solid question. Um, I don't, I, that's a good question. I, I don't, I, I think I would want Josh, I don't care as much about whether he's involved in the passing game or not. And here's the deal. He only played in 13 games last season. And some of those games, he was a bit banged up. Um, So wasn't that a hundred percent and usually people aren't, but that's, that's, you know, nonetheless, he still finished as, as running back 21, which, you know, when you think about it, isn't wonderful, but he averaged just about 15 points a game. Mm -hmm. So if you extrapolate that, if you add three more games onto that, that's 45 more points that would have put him right around running back 11 ish on the season. Yeah, um, of course you, right. you could do the same for a bunch of other guys too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could say, Kenyon Drake finished 17th and he only played 14 games and yeah. half of those were with a freaking dolphin. So he yeah. should be running back like infinity. Um, but I, I guess I don't, I don't know that he'll get involved in the passing game next season. I don't care really. I think he has the talent. I think they're, they, they trust the guy. I mean, he was an absolute workhorse last year and he won a lot of people, a lot of, uh, a lot of fantasy games. I think that this debate really, to me, sounds like it's, it's a discussion of, do you prefer hybrid running backs to like your historically workhorse pound the rock 25 carries running backs? Like, do you prefer a Derrick Henry or do you prefer an Austin Eckler? Um, and and, and it, it, like from a dynasty philosophy, right? And so again, you know, I'm, I may be, this may just be part of like kind of my philosophy when it comes to fantasy football and dynasty specifically is that I don't know how much I'm willing to trust a guy who's never played a snap in the NFL, who's five foot seven to be this like workhorse uh, running back that's going to be a top five guy. I mean, we've seen Josh Jacobs uh, do it. We've seen him, um, carry that level of workload. I just, I think if he was running back 21, only playing 13 games to me that, you know, to, to some degree, the sky's the limit. I don't think they're going to trust Lynn Bowden to be their running back. I mean, I think they have a lot of pass catching guys there. 
Um, but you could argue they, they, they added a lot of offense in the draft and maybe they'll be slightly more competitive this year. If, if, if uh, Carr starts to play a little bit better and he has the weapons now, maybe they're in more games and there's not junk time uh, passing down work uh, being behind by 20 points uh, this season. And maybe Josh Jacobs gets more run. So I would, I think this is to me, I'd, I guess I'd prefer Josh Jacobs, but it's, it's more of a coin flip for these mm-hmm. two for me. I think when I, when I kind of play it out in my head a little bit, but I think these are, this is about kind of where I, I see Clyde Edwards Hilaire going. Okay. I think you're getting a little too hung up on CH's sides. I, I think that's really, you know, weighing heavily on you right now. And I don't know how, how much I buy into that. Um, you know, and you, you kind of uh, broke down the, the thought process on, you know, would you rather have a, a traditional pound of rock running back uh, versus a, you called it a hybrid running back, but you, you, the examples that you used were, um, were Austin Eckler and Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry is like, like if you had to, if you had to dream up the guy to have 300 carries and zero catches, you would pick Derrick Henry, right? Like he's the exact, right. you know, personality and body type and, you know, physicality um, to, to play that role. And Austin Eckler is, I would argue not really a hybrid back. Like he is a true receiving back, you know, who also gets some, some running uh, down work. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that Josh Jacobs could get involved in the passing game. And I think that, uh, that fantasy football loves people running backs, especially who get involved in, in the passing game. I mean, you, you kind of have to have a certain level of that work to crack the top five. Um, you know, it, it, especially in, in PPR, which, you know, is where most leagues are shifting. Um, makes sense. That makes sense. Let me, let me just very quickly, this is, this is slightly off topic, but let me just very, I I guess it's sort of on topic, but let me just go through some of the elite running backs and their heights. And, and maybe weight is, is more of an indication of, of not success, but just kind of like the type of running back, you know, that you, you look for, but let me just very quickly run through. All right. Christian McCaffrey, 5'11", Saquon Barkley, 6 feet, Delvin mm-hmm. Cook, 5'10", Ezekiel Elliott, 6 feet, Derrick Henry, 6'3", that's ridiculous, I know. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 5'10", Aaron Jones, 5'9", mm-hmm. uh, Joe Mixon, 6'1", Kenyon Drake, 6'1", Josh Jacobs, 5'10", Miles Sanders, 5'11", mm-hmm. um, Nick Chubb, 5'11", uh, Todd Gurley, 6'1", Leonard Fournette, 6 feet, Chris Carson, six feet, Le'Veon Bell, six one, Austin Eckler, five ten, David Johnson, six one. So he would kind of be breaking a, like there's no other running back. I'm I'm still kind of going here. I'm I'm on to running back twenty-five. Uh and the closest I've gotten thus far is DeAndre Swift is five eight. And that's another rookie. Devin Singletary, there you go. Devin Singletary is five seven. Uh, so same same height and weight more or less as mm-hmm. uh, as Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So maybe that's your uh, you know uh, body type uh, comp, and he had a nice mm-hmm. season, but he's not you know he's in a much worse offense. But uh, so anyway, that's not to say that I'm fading Clyde Edwards Hilaire simply because he's five seven. But it would be like a little bit of a um, I've been using precedented slightly unprecedented if a five seven. 200 pound running back suddenly just becomes like this, you know, monster, uh, 
top five running back in the NFL, right? I mean, who else? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to be top five in the league in carries to be running back five. You know, that's my point, especially in the KC offense. You know, if they're if they're super excited about him enough to spend a first round pick, albeit the last pick of the round. Sure, but still, yeah, he he's going to be on the field a ton, especially with Damian Williams out, and uh, you know he's he's going to get you know, a lot of targets. He's going to get running down work. Um, yeah, I just I would I would much rather have the upside upside of the CEH than uh, Josh Jacobs, who we have no indication on whether or not he's going to get involved in the passing game. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's where I land there. So we. So, I was going to say you 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 were saying that you have to your your thought is that they have to be involved to some slightly higher slightly heightened degree uh, in the passing game to to get into that upper echelon of running back one. That's kind of where you land. Have, or you have to have like a, a crazy kind of outlier of a season in terms of running down work and running touchdowns to get in there. Okay. You have to have, you have to score a ton of touchdowns, or, or you you just get like every single carry like Derrick Henry did. Yeah, I was going to say Derrick Henry was uh, running back five last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, you know, how many running touchdowns did he have? Yeah, he I think he was right there. I think he had sixteen with uh, with Aaron yeah. Jones. Um, so yeah, that's 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 a fair point. But you see, the guys in the top top five are you know I I kind of see like you're saying. Mm-hmm that CEH is, is kind of more of a, a receiving back. He's not the guy that's going to get 250 carries, yeah. but you look at the guys that are in the top five and it's guys like Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. Austin Eckler, I guess, is the, the slight outlier in that he is kind of that receiving back, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is that, is that CEH's ceiling? Is Austin Eckler 2019? Is that, is that kind of, you know, what we no, are I think he's that he get, is? Well, I mean, wasn't, Austin Eckler was, I can't remember exactly what he, what he was when, um, you know, before Gordon came back, but like he was, he was easily an RB one. He was, I think he might've even been a top five guy at that point. So if that's the comp that you want to, you want to use, then sure, go ahead. You just proved my point. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I guess that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I just can't, I can't quite, if, if you don't five. if you don't want to get look I, I i wouldn't necessarily want to take him in the top five either in terms of running backs but like i i think that there's a good chance that that's where he finishes let me ask you this are we are we sold on clyde edwards hilaire the player or are we simply just sold on clyde edwards hilaire the situation a great question it really is because i was about to ask you something similar like if if uh, DeAndre Swift had gone to the Chiefs at 132, um, you know, versus Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the draft, you know, everybody had it was Swift or it was Taylor as kind of the, you know, the rookie running back uh, one before uh, the draft. So if he had gone uh, in the first round to the Chiefs and then Damian Williams opts out, like, are you more sold on uh, DeAndre Swift? Yeah, as- yeah. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. He's like there's an inch a, taller. Well, <laughs> it's the, it's the, it's the workload. It's the, it's, it's, it's having, it's the, it's the college career. It's, it's showing that he 
has done it before, right? Like there's yeah. I mean, we were of, all surprised. We were all surprised when Ceh was that pick, right? Right, uh, yeah. for sure. But you give me give me Jonathan Taylor on the Chiefs. I would prefer him. Give sure. me uh, DeAndre Swift on the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I prefer him. Give me J.K. Mm-hmm. Dobbins on the Chiefs. I prefer him. Give me Cam Akers on the Chiefs, and I think I. That's a bit of a toss-up for me, but but you get what I'm saying. I think I to yeah. me, it's more that I mean, listen, he landed in, he got the golden ticket, right? Like Willy Wonka style. Like he yeah. he is one of the the chosen ones that fell into a prime position, and mm-hmm. um, you know, kudos to him for that. But like, I wasn't like in love with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the player uh, as much as I am the situation. And, and that gets into a different philosophy right. of situation for running backs versus situation for wide receivers and fading and all that. All right. I was definitely higher on CEH than, than you were pre-draft because, you know, just watching that tape, I, I love uh, so many plays. He like, he'll catch a ball and immediately do a spin move that just leaves the defender in the dust. Like it was right. so fun to watch him. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was getting excited because, you know, in, you know, some of the rookie drafts, I wasn't going to have a shot at some of the top guys. So I was like, oh, maybe CEH is going to have a fun little landing spot, you know, in the third round or something like that. Right. And then, you know, I might be, you know, getting him in the in the back half of, a, you know, round one rookie draft. You know, that didn't happen. Um, so it, it really kind of, really kind of shows that this is, you know, that golden ticket landing spot. And so I, for somebody who really liked CEH and then he gets that landing spot, I think, I think that's why you know I'm willing to kind of kind of bet on him as finishing as an RB1 this year. I really so, think he does that. So what we're saying is that for running backs, situation uh-huh. is more important than talent. Yes. Okay. And so for wide receivers, we don't what we're saying our philosophy is not that. It's it's different based on position. Like and uh AJ Brown for instance went to a team that's a run first team, had Marcus Mariota, uh-huh. Things change so quickly. Their longevity is longer. We're saying that we trust talent uh, for wide receivers over situation, but for running backs, we value situation over talent. Yeah, and I think okay. you should. I think you should because I think the NFL views it that way as well. You know. Okay. Yeah. So. Now, fair enough. I mean, you see guys like AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin go to teams that are arguably not great, especially at the beginning of the year last year for the Titans. They they mm-hmm. clearly turned it around once uh, Tannehill came in, but um, you know that they're good wide receivers and you trust that they're going to go uh, and ball out in the NFL. And then maybe you have a guy like DeAndre Swift, who's an elite running back in college and goes to a, a less than stellar landing spot. And maybe he doesn't have the type of, uh, you know, he, we bump him down more than we would the, the elite style wide receivers that go to a similarly questionable position. That's, I think that's an interesting uh, discussion that that's um, there may be some people that feel differently. I don't know. I don't disagree generally. But yeah. Anyway, all right. All right. Well, let's talk about a couple other guys here. So um, if we're we're you know climbing this ladder, like I keep talking about, uh, in July ADP data, Derek Henry was uh, running back eight. Um, so obviously he's got a new contract. Um, you know, uh, new ish, I should say. Uh, right. Right. And, and you love to see that. Um, so would you rather have a guy who you know is going to get, you know? so many carries. I mean, he's, he's probably going to break the 300 touch threshold again, you know, like you would absolutely, you would absolutely think that he's going to do that. Um, are you going to take a guy who has that kind of uh, floor with the absolute, you know, amount of touches that he's going to get 
versus a guy that, you know, you keep saying he's never seen a snap in the NFL before. Is that, you know, enough to take Derrick Henry over CEH knowing that Derrick Henry is probably going to regress in touchdowns and will probably not see too much work in the passing game? Yeah, it's a solid question too. And then when you think about dynasty also, I mean, he's, he's not getting any younger Derrick Henry. Um, yeah. His, his carry totals uh, since high school are um, I know, I insane. Love yeah, I, I wish I had him in front of me. Uh, that's like one of the, the f- most fun stats to, uh, mm-hmm. to rattle off. But um, I, I think it would be fair to say that Derrick Henry finishes above Clyde Edwards Hilaire this season. Um, but then you think yeah, about it. I think he's got to kind of keep that touchdown threshold to really do that though. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a monster. I mean, his, yeah. he, the, the highlight films, whenever he plays the Jaguars are just like so fun to watch. Um, and that's, that's like the Derrick Henry that I envision. Um, when I think about kind of the, the talent and the, the opportunity being on a team that, that runs more often than, than the average team. But um, you know, in dynasty, you look at how old he is, how many carries he's had. And I, I don't, I, I don't disagree with taking Edwards Hilaire ahead of Derrick Henry. Um, I think they'll have relatively similar fantasy finishes um, in PPR leagues. I can understand why you would take Edwards Hilaire mm-hmm. over uh, Derrick Henry for sure. But to me, this yeah. is another one that's kind of a coin flip. This is again, right where I see Edwards Hilaire kind of landing mm-hmm. for me. I, I'm not going to spend a top five running back pick on, on Edwards Hilaire, but I can see kind of eight, nine, 10, uh, running back. I mean, the fact that he's going ahead of a guy like Miles Sanders. Uh, also, he's next up on our list. So let's let's talk about him. So that's surprising to me. I mean, especially okay. with the hype that Miles Sanders has had this off season. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny the way that hype works in the dynasty fantasy football community because like there was there was a time in the off season when Miles Sanders was untouchable, you know, and now right. he's kind of moved off of Miles Sanders into some other people. So right. you know, you could you could argue that Miles Sanders has become a little bit of a buy at this point. You could. Yeah, no, you could, you could. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really, it's based on uh, fantasy football Twitter to me. That's, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, there should be like a stock market based uh, solely on like mentions and things, but yeah. So anyway, exactly. uh, continue. Sorry. All right. So I, what I wanted to talk about is, is just kind of like, there's two schools of thought on Miles Sanders this off season. You know, there's the group of people who are saying, look, you know, Doug Peterson has never had, you know, a running back that has, you know, a target share and, and a, you know, rushing share that's over, you know, certain thresholds. He doesn't seem to like, you know, the workhorse running back. Uh, and then there's another school of people who are saying, okay, well, that may be true, but look at the running backs that he's had in, you know, his coaching stint in Philadelphia. Right. Like Miles Sanders is far and away the best guy that he's had. We need to throw all that out the window and just assume that he's going to be given, if not a true workhorse role, at least a a vastly expanded role from what he had last year. So I guess what side of the fence do you fall on there? Yeah, no, I think it's a really solid point to say that like uh, since, I don't know, uh, LaShawn McCoy, perhaps there hasn't really been like that elite level uh, running back in Philadelphia um, and, and so, yeah, you, you, you look at Miles Sanders numbers last year and it's unquestionably inflated due to the fact that they had zero wide receivers that were healthy. Um, by the end of the year, they had like Greg Ward, who's a quarterback essentially, mm-hmm. uh, being like their number one pass catcher. Now, now this season they have Deshaun Jackson, they have Alshon Jeffrey, they have, 
uh, Jalen Rager. They have both tight ends healthy. So you figure that receiving number is going to come down just a little bit, but who else do they really have? Right? Like I know that like the philosophy with um with the eagles is to kind of spread it out a little bit but um who are they boston Boston scott and that's the that's the name that you gotta know right does that like does that like get you going does that really like he was good he was good good. you know he was good so if you're you're just looking on at what he's done he's you know proved that he needs some work you know like Um, you have to respect like the name i guess and like the fact that he had like a few good weeks last season but (laughs) I I'm not like scared of like the, the, the talent level between one and the other. There's no, there's, it's not debatable. Right. Like, and I'm not a Miles Sanders guy, I should say. Like, I think he's good. I think he was being overdrafted uh, until recently, Yeah, but he's kind of started to land where he, he should be landing like towards the back end uh, running back ones. You know, he was at one point, I think he was going like kind of where CEH finds himself now. Yeah. Yeah. And that was far too high. Mm-hmm. for me but um yeah i'm a miles sanders guy would i prefer miles sanders over uh, ceh probably would i prefer miles sanders over derrick henry probably so i'm a little bit different than the the consensus that you're you're, you're going off of but um miles sanders is what you hope Clyde edwards hilaire will be right like based on last year like that would be ideal is that fair uh no, Kareem Hunt in 2017 is what you hope Ceh is going. Yeah, like okay, that's yeah. I guess that's like the absolute ceiling for him to have 1,800 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, I, I God, man, that just it's seems possible. like such. It really is. It's it's possible, but it's just such a tall order. Um, and, and I feel like it's somewhat unfair to Clyde edwards there to be to be it honest. Really is. It actually is. Yeah, that's yeah. like I mean, you're talking about some rarefied air. I don't have it in front of me, but it would be interesting to kind of find out what rookie running backs, like an all-time top 10 list of of production for rookie running backs. I would have to imagine Kareem Hunt being at 1,800 yards and 11 touchdowns is top five. I mean, that that seems insane. So to project a guy who had one season of like legitimate work in college to just jump into the NFL and become this like... It's the easiest position to do it at though. It really yeah. is. Yeah. No, you that's know? that's a good point. That's a good like point. Rookie running backs are usually underdrafted for the same reason, you know. Uh, you know, back in 2017, in uh, you know the auction redraft that you and I are in, my two running backs that I came away with were Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette. And you know, I remember you hating that team, and I ran away with the championship. Okay, well, we don't need to we don't need to dig up past uh, thoughts here. I, I don't I mean, know that it's that's fun to do. doing fun us to any. I don't know that I don't know that that's doing us any justice <laughs> here, really. But uh, fair enough. Okay. Oh man, uh, look, look, man. If I think it's more likely that Ceh is is given more work than Miles Sanders, and he's in, you know, arguably the best offense in the world. Uh, not saying anything bad about the Philadelphia offense, but you know the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Um, so I would rather have Ceh at that point. Um, and I'm I'm talking myself into moving Ceh higher and higher up in these rankings. Um, the next guy that we need to talk about is Joe Mixon, and I am on the record as not being a Joe Mixon guy. No, you're um, out on Joe Mixon, but that's what. So he, so he's that's running back ten then for Joe Mixon. Is that right? Uh, no, we're up at uh, running back six now. Oh wow! Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Were we going down? We were going down. We were going up, up the ladder from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire started as uh, running back 12 uh, in July. And, you know, so the guys that we've talked about I see. were 11, 10, uh, Josh Jacobs was at 9, Derrick Henry at 8, Miles Sanders 7, so then Joe Mixon at 7. I got you. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I got it. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So you were – yeah, you're out for sure on Joe Mixon at 6, and you're kind of out on Joe Mixon uh, for – uh, remind me why you're out on Joe Mixon. So my argument for Joe Mixon could easily easily be used uh, against CEH at this point because oh, my argument against him is that he's being drafted at his ceiling. Now we've just talked about you know the ceiling of uh, a CEH being that you know RB four that you know Kareem Hunt did in his rookie year. Um, so yeah, I mean Joe Mixon, I, I think I think he's a really talented guy. I've had Joe Mixon you know, before on teams. And I, I haven't been disappointed with him because I didn't have him at the beginning of last year when he was terrible. Right. Um, but yeah, so I just think that they're both being drafted at their ceiling. But at this point, all these guys are, you know, if you're not getting um, one of the top four guys who have shown that they're consistently in that range, I mean, you're looking at Dalvin Cook, who has one elite year where he still got hurt to end the year. Right not last year guys don't forget about that yeah uh, joe mixon who's been like running back 13 for the last couple of years that's probably what where he should finish you've got miles sanders who we don't know what his workload is going to be you've got derrick henry who's probably going to regress on in the touchdown department and will see minimal passing game work uh josh jacobs is kind of the the same argument as um miles sanders where you just don't know about the workload um, Nick Chubb, same thing. You got Kareem Hunt there. Right, right. Jonathan yeah. Taylor, you've got Marlon Mack, who is honestly a fantastic redraft buy at this point. Like That's if, fair. Marlon Mack going so, so late in redraft is criminal. And I think, by the way, just for the sake of discussion, mm -hmm. uh, I think that goes uh, hand in hand with guys like Carrion Johnson, and that goes hand in hand with guys mm -hmm. like uh, Daryl Williams to a slightly lesser extent. But I think with, with, players like that on teams like that, those incumbent running backs are going to get more run than people think. Okay. Yeah. Well, well yeah, that's I mean, just my thought. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, certainly with, with Marlon Mack, I think that's, that's definitely the case. And if not, the opportunity cost is next to nothing. So right. Right. Know, target Marlon Mack and redraft guys. It, Fair it, enough. Going to be, he's going to be the starter to, you know, to begin the season there. Um, so anyway, so back to my original point, like there's right. all of these guys in this tier that we're discussing, you know, if you're, if you're drafting at the top of that tier, you're taking whoever it is, whether it's CEH or Joe Nixon and Miles Sanders, you're taking them probably at their ceiling, you know? So in terms of, you know, my philosophy, if I'm looking at one of those guys in a startup, I'm probably going to pivot to a wide receiver or I'm probably going to, if it's super flex, pivot to a quarterback. Like, right. you know, would you rather have like Kyle, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray would probably be gone by the time you're looking at CEH. Would you rather have Russell Wilson over CEH at this point in dynasty? No, probably not. Really? Okay. Um, it's close. I mean, I think like Russell Wilson is probably flex, I should say. in, super, in flex. super flex. Yeah, yeah. no, I think, Russell Wilson kind of rounds out that that top tier uh, of quarterbacks, right? So it's it's obviously Mahomes, it's Lamar Jackson, it's Kyler, it's Dak, and then it's Russell Wilson. 
and, and that order can be kind of uh, reconfigured however you want to, but mm-hmm. he, he kind of uh, denotes a tear break. And so I can understand why you would take uh, somebody like Russell Wilson, but he is a, you know, mm-hmm. slightly older. And that's not to say he can't be in the league for another nine years, but slightly older. Um, and so I would rather go probably with CEH in this situation and, and kind of bank on adding a couple uh, mid-tier quarterbacks that have uh, decently high upside uh, over Russell Wilson, I guess, in this situation. It's All a good right, so question, though. We, well, we've talked about kind of like where you would take CEH based on other running backs who are in that that range. But if I'm at the end of round one, you know, and there's a guy like Devontae Adams there, um, even somebody like Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, God, even somebody like DJ Moore. I, I think that would be that would be something that I would be, you know, if if possible, I'm looking to trade down at that point because all those guys are kind of like one big tier, um, right? Which, yeah, if you can, which is the perfect reason to make Ceh a sell at this point. You yes. know? Yes. No. A hundred percent. Yeah. He is in my, I'm, I have an article coming out right now with uh, dynasty football factory where he is one of my dynasty cells. And it's for this reason specifically is that yeah. he, like you mentioned, this is his ceiling. His top five is his ceiling. And, and what's the likelihood that he hits that ceiling. I mean, it's certainly a possibility, but it's not like that possible. So for me, if he's being this, this hyped right now, capitalize on it and grab, grab a miles Sanders plus, if you can get miles Sanders plus, for CEH all day long. I mean, that's a no-brainer for me. Um, I want to very quickly circle back to Joe Mixon because your your dislike for Joe Mixon I find very interesting. Um, d- does the fact that they have had they've made some changes on the offensive line, which was abysmal last season, yeah. and they have added T. Higgins, a healthy AJ Green, mm-hmm. and a Joe Burrow. Um, does that do anything to kind of bring you back around on the Joe Mixon train? I mean, he his talent's unquestionable. He was in a really rough situation last season. Does any of that give you pause and think, you know, maybe with this new look Bengals offense, um, maybe there'll be a fun offense to watch. Do, 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 are we too low on Joe Mixon? Maybe. Look, maybe. Uh, it's, it's obviously possible, but I just think that there's, there's kind of a consensus that's been growing in the, in the fantasy football community and especially in the dynasty community that the Bengals are going to be this like fun offense next year, that the Bengals are like fixed, that they're going to be fine. You know, I I just, I'm not willing to go there. I'm not willing to, to do that. I mean, we've, we've heard the same things about other offenses. I mean, this time last year, we were talking the same thing about Cleveland, you know, and what happened there. Fair. Yeah. I mean, mean, to me, like, listen, who did you have for like the lion's share of last year with uh, the Bengals? You had Ryan Finley, I think was their starting quarterback. You Mm -hmm. had Alden Tate, and mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd, mm-hmm. and you had an abysmal offensive line. They've made some changes to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. They have a healthy A.J. Green. They have Joe Burrow, and they yeah. have T. Higgins. So now you're starting three wide receivers are a guy who has been uh, historically a top five receiver every time he's been healthy. Okay. You have one of the best uh, receivers that came out this season, arguably, mm-hmm. and you have Tyler Boyd, who's been pretty consistent uh, throughout his first couple years or however long it's been in the league. Um, okay. If if Joe Mixon was running back 13 last year with that horrendous supporting cast, you got to think that he's going to get better than that with with these guys they brought in, right? Yeah, but that's my point. Like after, I can't remember what the week split was, but like there you can split it where Joe Mixon was basically running back 30 early in the season, and then late right. in the season he was running back six. Right. 
So you're, you're expecting Joe Mixon to be running back six on the entire season based on, I think it was like six or seven games at the end of the year, you know, and right. I'm just, I'm not willing, I'm not willing to pay that price based on that little sample size. You but know? if he was running back six again with that, uh, it didn't, the offensive line didn't change. I think they may, they may have went back to Andy Dalton. I don't recall by that point at the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, AJ Green still wasn't there. They still had Auden Tate as their basically yeah. their de facto number one or two receiver. So he was running back six with that still that pretty poor supporting cast. And mm-hmm. now you have a new kind of dynamic y supporting cast of young or AJ Green's old, but you know, Burrow and Higgins and a new offensive line. And is it crazy am, to think that he's top five with that? No, but like everything would have to go right for that to happen. And I'm I'm not willing to bet on everything going right there i mean how many times have we heard about a team you know improving its offensive line they fix their offensive line issues this season the running backs are going to eat after they they you know did all this work on the offensive line i'm a line it, it, okay? it couldn't have gotten much worse than last year though so i mean if sure. they brought in like my brother to be their their center it, might, it may actually improve it possibly well let's not go that far that's true five ten jewish guy <laughs> 34 years old probably wouldn't yeah he probably wouldn't quite quite uh, fit the bill but fair enough okay stick to being a harvard educated lawyer okay yeah. ben now don't that, join the nfl yeah, that's that seems like that's working out for him yeah um no but look man I, as a lions fan i've heard it year after year that like oh the offensive line has gotten a lot of attention you know we're gonna run the ball more it's like all of that can turn into lip service at some point. Like it, it just, I'm not willing to go there and say that, okay, that's, you know, n- that's the reason that he's going to be, you know, a top five running back or that like, you know, just because there's going to be, you know, better pass catchers uh, that it's going to be better for Joe Mixon. I mean, those guys are going to siphon targets from him, you know, right. like that's uh, the, the same could be said for Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? Like they have uh, Sammy Watkins, they have Michael Hardman, they have Tyreek Hill, they have Travis Kelsey, they have oh, okay. this odd like grouping of running backs behind him. Like Sammy Watkins is is toast at this. He's point. He's done. Like, okay. All right. Yeah, that could be. That could be. The I mean, the Hardman thing is is interesting, but like he's got a long way to go to to be relevant in terms of targets. You know, I mean, they have they legitimately have two pass catchers, and then it's. At CEH after that, I think that's probably uh, true. He he probably will be their third best receiver this year. I, I yeah, that's probably I, fair. I really, I really do think that. I think that's um, right. So you you would easily then take CEH over Joe Mixon easily for you. That's a no brainer. Yes, but I'm I'm lower on Joe Mixon than a lot of other people. And so. you would easily would you easily take CEH over Miles Sanders? Not easily, but, but you but would. I think I would. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you're you're kind of right around like the consensus for CEH, maybe not top five, but you're right around like six ish, seven ish. A hundred percent, yeah. But like, I I think that he's probably being properly valued in terms of you know where he should land in the running back rankings, but I also am unwilling to pay that price. Like I I'm I think that he's he's being going to be ranked as I think his ranking will be correct. Mm-hmm. but I still think it's a sell. Let me ask you this. Yeah. It's similar to what we've already talked about, but I feel like mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting discussion anyway. So okay. would, let's just say we go back to the NFL draft and the Chiefs take Zach Moss. And now Zach Moss is, is the Chiefs running back. Are we, are, is the same, are we having the same conversation? Are we saying, Zach Moss, top, top six, top five, 
running back or is Clyde Edwards Hilaire that much better than a guy like Zach Moss or AJ Dillon or Darrington Evans or somebody like that, that he is the guy that specifically not only is the talent better, mm. but like the, you know, he's the guy that we think is like a perfect fit specifically for Kansas city. Okay. So that's a good question. Um, I mean, pre-draft we were talking about, you know, basically like the five running backs were in that like first tier. And then it was right. like, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn or right, right, right. like Zach Moss or whoever you liked. Um, you know, remember, Eno Benjamin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do. I certainly do. People, people are still very high on you. I, I appreciate it, but there's some people that are very like, they're like legit, you know, Benjamin truthers. Like if you say he's not going to be good as a sixth round pick or whatever he was, I think he was a seventh round get, pick. He might've been a seventh round pick. They get very upset about that. So, you know, just yeah. be careful. There's a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, he's got sneaky upside. It's like sneaky upside. Yeah. I mean, listen, like, like there's a, there's a, you could make the case. It's a questionable Mm -hmm. case to make, but he's free. So you could basically say, you know, grab and stash. I think that's fair. Nonetheless. So the guys that got drafted in like the second, third, even like early fourth round running backs, Mm -hmm. like if they went to the chiefs, are we having the same conversation or is there, or is CEH just head and shoulders above? the other guys in that. Uh, I think your answer to this earlier was perfect where like any of the top five guys, including Cam Akers go in that chief spot and then Damian Williams opts out. I think we're having the exact same conversation. I really do. But I think if it, I think if it gets into the Keyshawn Vaughn or Zach Moss territory, I think that is where, I think that's where you gotta start questioning things. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily go, you know, that far in terms of ranking any one of those guys where I'm ranking CEH. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's uh, maybe a long winded way to, to say. It. No, that's that's fair. I mean, I think, but I, I still think that like if Zach Moss got taken by the chiefs instead of Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and we were in the same situation with Zach Moss, you would like, we would, we'd be talking about him as an RB one. Um, he, he landed in a terrible situation. I think he has a lot of talent, but mm-hmm. he's not in a good situation in Buffalo. And I think if he was in Kansas city and he was kind of the guy we'd probably be saying, Hey, listen, take him around, you know, Aaron Jones range, take him around, uh, you know, Miles Sanders type range. I think that is, is fair to say. Honestly, I guess. man, I think, I think Zach Moss landed in like outside of the top five rookie running backs. I think Zach Moss landed in the best spot other than maybe Keisha. You know? AJ Dillon has joined the chat. AJ Dillon. <laughs> I mean, uh, what are we doing here? Come on. <laughs> are you kidding aaron jones is gone after this year that's that's going to be aj dillon's backfield do you really believe that i do i don't think they have enough money they have a lot of guys they have to sign they have to sign kenny clark they have to sign bakhtiari um they have other i can't think off the top of my head of who else they have to sign but they have a lot of big money guys that they need to sign and the packers have historically always shored up the offensive and defensive lines i don't think they're going to have the kind of money that aaron jones is going to expect and so i think they're going to shore up kenny clark and Bakhtiari, and I don't. I think they're going to kind of go with the rookie running back contract with AJ Dillon. Wow. Okay. And I think I think Aaron Jones is a phenomenal talent, and he is kind of like to me the ideal pass catcher running combination. He had mm-hmm. a really solid season last year. Obviously, even without the touchdowns, he had a great season. Yeah. Um, and I think what I love to have him back as a Packer, of course, but um, I I think. Wherever he goes, if he stays with the Packers, awesome. He's still going to be a really, you know, running back one. But if he goes somewhere else, like, I'm still in on Aaron Jones. I mean, it's going to be tough to find a place where he's not going to be as good, right? Like, he goes to the Jaguars. Give me that all day long, you know? 
he goes to the Dolphins even. Give me yeah. that all day long, right? Like, yeah. um, anyway, I think AJ Dillon, um, with that mentality, if we're if we're if we walk down that path and Aaron Jones is no longer there, AJ Dillon is the type of running back that can handle that level of workload. Keep okay. keep Jamal Williams around as the pass catching running back, yep. and have AJ Dillon be the Derrick Henry to Jamal Williams, Deion Lewis. Okay, I think that's fair. So let's. Uh... Let's let's take a break here. But before we do, I just want to ask you quickly, do you, since you brought up A.J. Dillon, do you think A.J. Dillon is a threat to Aaron's, Aaron Jones' goal line work this season? Um, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah for like, sure. Are you right? so, really worried about Aaron Jones' goal line work? I'm season? not like, I'm, I'm not going to fade Aaron Jones because of A.J. Dillon necessarily. I mean, I'll drop okay. him down maybe like a, a, a spot or two. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah, I think A.J. Dillon is like the, the type of running back that Green Bay wants, right? In December, in the snow, just this big body guy that's going to get you like a yard or two, uh, third and one, you know, third and one from the one yard line. Um, they're not going to trust Rodgers to run that in. Um, right. I think that, yeah, absolutely. He's a big body dude uh, in the frozen tundra. Um, he'll siphon. It, we, we all kind of understand that Aaron Jones's touchdowns are going to regress anyway. Yeah. With or without A.J. Dillon. But okay. but you put AJ Dillon in there that they they spent some pretty significant draft capital on. I think that yeah, of course. I think that he'll he'll siphon a few. T- I don't think he's going to vulture all of the, the the touchdowns from Aaron Jones, but they're going to give him some work. You know, make no mistake about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Let's uh, let's take a little break uh, on the other side. We're going to come back and talk about Hard Knocks because Hard Knocks is starting up on Tuesday. Um, so yeah, stick around. All right, we are back. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Hard Knocks before we, uh, we wrap up the episode today. Um, Hard Knocks is back on, I believe, Tuesday. Uh, That's right. The, the two LA teams, the Chargers and the Rams. Um, so I guess my, my first question for you, Zach, is do you care? Are you a Hard Knocks guy? Are you a fan? Like, yes and no. Like, I'm, I'm not going to uh... – if I miss an episode, I'm not going to be devastated by it. Um, yeah. I enjoy it. I think especially like right now in the pandemic world, it's, it'll be a bit of a, a nice thing to have to be able yeah. to see football plays happening in real life. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, generally speaking, like I'm not, I'm not obsessed with hard knocks. I don't, I don't uh, need to watch it, but yeah, I'll, I will definitely tune in this off season. Yeah. Yeah. I think this one's going to be like, really interesting because one you get two teams instead of one so there's just gonna be more storylines um kind of uh you know more interest there and then you know with everything that's going on with the the pandemic and everything how that's going to affect everything and um you know like again we've just been so desperate for sports that you know this is um not real sports but it's sports adjacent and it's super fun um yeah it'll be interesting to see how they how they do handle the pandemic and the precautions and like mm-hmm. what what are they doing to ensure safety i mean are they taking temperatures are they you know is everybody wearing a mask how do they you know it'll be interesting to see kind of the behind the scenes of mm-hmm. what that looks like because obviously they didn't go with the bubble um idea like the nba did um yeah. so we'll see kind of how that plays out but it mm-hmm. will be interesting to see um the level of precautions and if it differs 
uh, team to team, even I think yeah. um, will be kind of interesting to, to look at. Yeah. So I think my, my problem with hard knocks in the past is that, and the reason why I don't view it as like appointment viewing is that they, they spend so much time on guys who are definitely a hundred percent going to get cut, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like, I understand that that's from a human standpoint, that is an interesting, you know, storyline that is it's somebody's livelihood, somebody's dream that they're, they've been trying to achieve their entire, you know, their entire life. But like, I just, I don't know. I can't necessarily seem to get into that aspect of it. You know, I, I want to, I'd much rather see a hard knocks with where it's focused on kind of like the stars or like, you know, the guys who are going to have an impact uh, in the fantasy world, at least. Um, I think the, the biggest takeaway from last year's hard knocks was that Darren Waller had gotten his life together and was, you know, sober and ready to go. And, um, you know, obviously he turned into a top five tight end. So that was fun. Um, good to, to be able to root for him after seeing that on hard knocks. But, you know, they also spent so much time on guys who, you know, we have never heard from again. Yeah. I think you're, you're looking at it from like a fantasy viewpoint, which I think is, is, uh, you know, similar to the way that I look at it. I'm not looking to get uh, really involved in like their fourth, uh, tight ends, uh, history with like his dad, um, necessarily. Right. But that, you know, HBO is going for, a much wider casting a wider net of their viewership. So, you know, you kind of have to take that for what it is, I guess, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I think it's, it'll be, it'll be worthwhile. I think to watch it. Um, I kind of tend to be the same way. There's guys I don't really care about that they're talking about, but I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of hopeful, you know, that, that their story will be interesting enough to kind of keep me engaged. Um, But it would be nice to be able to kind of pick and choose who, who they focus on and, and things yeah. like that. But yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, two teams, pandemic, all that good stuff. Yeah. Do you have, um, do you have like a favorite moment ever from hard knocks? You know, I think the, uh, the Deandre Hopkins versus D'Angelo Hall clip has been making the rounds this week. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Which was, that was pretty fun. You know, just we can, so Hopkins we can make this our, powers. We, yeah. Yeah. We can make this our 1.1, uh, 1.01 of the week. Sure. Uh, if we look, like towards the end of the, the, the podcast, which is a yeah. bit of a departure from our norm, but mm-hmm. um, two come to mind for me. Okay. Um, I'm curious if they will be your similar to, I think one has to be on the list. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think we're, we're heading in the, in the same direction here. Okay. The, the actual 101 of the week is pretty, it's a pretty easy pick, but you, okay. you, you go through the two here for, I me. have, I have two that I think are, they're mm-hmm. neck and neck for me. Um, one is, uh, and this this to me seems like the more obvious of the two, is okay. Antonio Cromartie trying to remember all of his children's names. Oh, my God. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, just like hilarious television uh, yeah. by itself uh-huh. and has just kind of produced fodder for years after that. Um, I think I used a Cromartie joke recently about like having so many kids he can't remember. So mm-hmm. that has kind of stayed in the fantasy community, I think for a while. And I appreciate that. Um, so that's one. Okay. The other is, uh, Bob Wiley from the, uh, Cleveland Browns, uh, the belly when he would say hut over and over again. And then I think there was something about how, uh, when, when they stormed the beaches at Normandy, did they stretch beforehand? And he was basically just saying, (laughs) stretching is bullshit. I thought that was stretching take. It was just absolute comedy. I mean, that is, that was, hilarious that you know do you think that that before they stormed the beaches they were all stretching before i mean just from especially from a guy that's morbidly obese just 
absolute comedy. So those two for me were, were, I appreciated those a lot. Did, did either of those kind of crack the top two for you? No, I think you're missing the clear cut number one thing that everybody is going to think about. Okay. It's Vince Wilford. In the, in the overalls. In the overalls, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that is a classic. I, I think I, I think if you pull the entire you know hard knocks watching community, I think that is your one hundred and one, and I think it's far and away the winner. We'll go ahead and put this up on our uh, on our our Twitter <laughs> yes. page. A poll. Of, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, what's the one point oh one of hard knocks? Is it Vince mm. Vince Wilfork in the overalls, Bob Wiley's belly and stretching take, or Antonio Cromartie uh, misremembering his his children's names? Uh, yeah. I think that'll 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 yield some very interesting results. I think those are that's a good top three. You know, there's some there's some interesting ones that are just kind of funny to me. Like I really enjoyed uh, when the Rams were on it last time. Sure. And uh, there were the guys who were like you know driving around in the go karts and they flipped it. Like after right. they were specifically told not to drive around in go karts because you could flip them and hurt yourselves. Yeah, sure. That was good. And then also from that season when when they signed. Uh, is it um Tavon Austin to that big contract in the episode it was just like oh you just kind of saw that that was not going to work out and obviously you know he's irrelevant now unfortunately so yeah just, yeah. just a little bit of comedy to me I just liked both of those but I think I think uh the three that we've laid out and we're going to put in that poll I think that's uh I think those are you know a good you know a good uh winner circle you know, yeah, I think that's right. There was one. There was one. I can't recall which uh, season it was now, but there was one Hard Knocks. Wh- whichever Hard Knocks it was after Victor Cruz had gotten drafted, I want to say it was the Jets uh, Hard Knocks season, mm-hmm. and they showed a preseason game against the Giants, and Victor Cruz caught three touchdowns in that game, and I. Uh, that's what my memory tells me. I could be wrong about that, but I'm <laughs> okay. pretty sure I'm right, and I remember. I don't know why, but I remember whoever the coach was going up to the coach of the the Giants saying, "You got a real, you got a real uh, player in Victor Cruz there. Like that's that's exciting." Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of thinking, like, "Man, if he's if he's kind of if he's getting three touchdowns in a preseason game, that's not not necessarily easy to do. And if he's getting praise yeah. from the coaches, that's something to look at." And so uh, some of me was like, "You know, do you do you will two questions." Yeah. Okay. First question. Do you use hard knock at all hard knocks at all to look at guys from like a fantasy perspective? And would you be okay with your favorite team being on hard knocks? Um, I don't really use hard knocks as like a, a fantasy tool, a fantasy scouting device. Uh, I used to when I didn't know as much about fantasy and I just would get super excited about like anybody who was, was catching passes or running right. the ball in, in hard knocks. But yeah, like, I mean, in recent memory, I guess like the, the Victor Cruz one, like he, he was a good player. Um, and then Darren Waller from last year, but that's like yeah. nothing really else is coming to mind. Um, so yeah. Uh, to answer your second question, would I be okay with it? I'd be I'd be very interested. I'd be, it would, that would turn it into appointment viewing for me. No question. Like right. I every second of every episode. Um, I'm not sure it's the best thing for a football team. Uh, you right. know, like actually the, the Raiders last year were pretty decent after, you know, kind of they've, they exceeded preseason expectations or what have you. Um, so yeah, I'd be a little bit worried 
um, with the track record of teams on hard knocks. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure it would be the best thing for my beloved Detroit Lions. Um, right. But I would absolutely watch it. I, I would I would watch the hell out of it. Sure. What yeah. about you? Do you want the, the Packers to be on the show? Um, simple answer, Will. The Packers are above it. Um, they're, abo- they're above it. They're above oh, it as a, okay. as a football team and as a town. Uh, um, they are above uh, that. So uh, do I want them to be on it? No, because they're above it. And uh, But what I, if, if, God forbid, they were on it, of course I'd watch it. It'd be very interesting to me to kind of get the behind the scenes. And there's a lot of interesting personalities, I think, and a lot of interesting storylines, especially this season uh, with Jordan Love and AJ Dillon and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, that that would be really interesting to um, to watch, especially as a fan and as a fantasy yeah. football player. But um, yeah, no, they're they're absolutely above it. Uh, Will um, in Title Town, oh, so yeah. it won't ha- it won't happen uh, for one. More uh, like but if it, in Title Town, am I right? Oh God, we right? need to stop. We need to we need to get out. <laughs> we need to stop this podcast immediately. This is we've gone off the rails. <laughs> This is just too much for me. Oh, yes. We apologize to our dear listeners uh, yeah. for Zach's cockiness and okay. behavior and for my bad dad joke. There you go. <laughs> well, I think that's that's probably good for us to uh, – so it's a natural stopping point for uh, the Dynasty 1.01. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, uh, DFF underscore ZTrain. Uh, for myself, Will, you can find at Dynasty Walrus. And of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at the Dynasty 101. Uh, look forward to talking to you guys soon. I hope you enjoyed it. Give us a, a subscribe. Give us a listen. Give us a rating. Uh, let us know what you want to hear. And uh, we will talk to you soon. See you next time.